Welcome to the Invisible Capital Podcast with PitchBook, where we shine a light on the traditionally opaque private markets. Here are your hosts, Adley Bowden and Adam Lewis. Welcome, everybody, to the Invisible Capital Podcast. We're devoting season one to examining the private markets by discussing the work of PitchBook analysts and writers during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm Adam Lewis, a private equity reporter for the PitchBook Newsletter, and I'll be joined today by Adley Bowden, our head of editorial and our institutional research group, along with venture capital reporter Priyamvada Mathur. Pri, or better known as Pri, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Hey, before we get started, do you want to just give us a little bit of uh, some background on uh, what you do here at PitchBook? I am a financial writer on the editorial team covering all things venture capital. After graduating with a bachelor's degree in economics from University of Delhi, I worked at PwC and Deloitte. Um, I pursued my master's in journalism at Emerson College in Boston, uh, a city that introduced me to the world of venture capital through free seminars and panel discussions that I used to attend as a student. Uh, For the past few months, I've written about how the coronavirus outbreak has impacted industry verticals, such as construction technology and HR automation. I've also been interacting with VC investors and managing directors to better understand how the new playbook for venture investing has pivoted to a slower and more defensive approach. So we have officially entered a recession in the middle of a pandemic, but I have to say it is an exciting time to learn as a VC writer. Yeah, and you've certainly put your journalistic skills on full display uh, with your recent article, um, COVID-19 pandemic speeds up digital transformation in construction tech. Um, kind of a mouthful there. Can you give us a little bit of a breakdown of what that story is about? It's a bit puzzling to me, but construction has been one of the slowest industries to move toward digital transformation. Um, on June 8th, New York City, one of the hardest hit regions by the coronavirus outbreak, began its first reopening phase. Um, the state government issued a PDF that had a long list of mandatory guidelines for construction projects. Builders are required to ensure a minimum distance of six feet between workers. Um, and many other guidelines. So uh, it just got me curious, you know, to think about our construction firms equipped to handle and navigate those new regulations. So the story is mostly about um, innovators and investors banking on uh, construction technology uh, on these shift in rules and construction sites that will accelerate the adoption of startup-developed solutions. One... uh thing that we've been tracking closely at, at PitchBook across both your writing as well as um, emerging tech team has just been the acceleration of various adoptions and the creation of new opportunities by this whole new kind of COVID dynamic and framework that everyone has to suddenly operate in. What were some of the opportunities uh, that you found through your reporting for the construction tech companies within this broader construction industry? So what construction tech founders told me that these capabilities existed already in the space. It's not like they they discovered something in the last few months. Uh, They already existed. It's just that the adoption has increased. So we we already had 3D scanning, remote inspection tools. We had computer vision, um, digital workflow systems, um, 
there were thermal cameras uh, but now startups are modifying their existing capabilities to suit the new reality and suit the new regulations so earlier computer vision was used for many other things but now the biggest thing that it's being used for is to ensure that um, it triggers an alert if workers come too close to each other so those are some of the capabilities that have been highlighted i don't know how you build a building if no one's allowed to come within six feet of each other. Uh, so uh, what other use cases were there besides the uh, no grouping on the job site um, use case? Um, there were remote inspection tools. Um, also, you know, there were some firms that have not deployed uh, project management tools at all. We need to understand that construction technology was barely an industry a few years ago. Right now, we do have big names like Procore and Katera and Matterport. Um, but when you compare uh, them to the bigger construction industry in the U.S., which is expected to hit like $1.8 trillion, uh, in the U.S. by 2023, um, we don't have a lot to offer yet. So I think it's more about deployment at a very basic level of, for a construction firm to just use a project management software. Pre are a lot of these tools that are, you know, being implemented both by startups and the construction industry itself, are they expected to last, you know, through the COVID-19 pandemic? Like, is this going to build kind of the future for what the construction industry looks like after hopefully in the next year or two, you know, this is all done? Right. Um, so I spoke to um, the director of business development at Matterport, and he said that, you know, making the first move on technology is always the hardest because it requires um, capital investment, training, convincing customers and managers and dealing with technology resistance. Um, he said that he doesn't see a reason why builders would go back to inefficient processes after their initial investment was made. You know, if they don't start considering the move now, um, their comp competitors may be well ahead of them uh, whenever the crisis is over. I also spoke to a partner at Menlo Ventures, uh, Tyler Sosen. He sits on the board of Fieldwire, which is another construction tech startup. Um, and he said that once we start to see the benefits of deploying these cloud-based tools, it will become uh, clearer that other functions of um, the industry need to be digitized as well. So for this particular industry, I don't see them going back to their old ways after the crisis is over. One of the challenges um, you highlight, I think from a conversation you had with David Wilson, um, who you have as uh, chief innovation officer at Bechtel, was just the scale of some of these solutions to actually effectively support these different construction sites and companies. Can you talk a little bit more about that challenge and what you learned? Construction tech industry, again, was barely an industry a few years ago. We, we have a handful of strong construction tech firms in the space, like Procore and Katera, and again, um, a few more. But again, they, their offerings don't come remotely close to the size of the industry. So I think the uh, the biggest challenge for tech firms is to um, cater to the demand if it's going to come at a rate at which deployment is required. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be like a big gap that tech firms need to quickly cope up with the rising demand. Yeah, Pri, you and I were talking earlier today about uh, how often we've seen the word disruption or pivoting or, you know, something to that effect from both VCs and you know startups right now and for our latest uh playbook cover story you and james thorne wrote about how venture capitalists 
uh, are being forced right now to just follow a completely new script um, in terms of how they're approaching their day-to-day -day duties. Um, so what so what is the new playbook for venture capital investors? If I'm completely honest, the new playbook is that there is no playbook anymore. Um, the pandemic has disproportionately affected industry verticals, of course, um, you know, travel and restaurant tech. But as a writer, the biggest thing I've learned is that I should stay away from email pitches that begin with um, so-and-so industry has emerged as a winner uh, because of the pandemic. Um, I'm sorry, but um, a lot of investors have confessed to me that they have they don't know what's going to happen, um, especially the ones for whom this is the first crisis. So, you know, we need to understand that venture capital is a young, comparatively young industry. And there are so many startup founders and investors for whom this is like the first crisis that they have to go through. Um, obviously, when I talk to more experienced investors, they are more candid about, um, you know, not knowing what's going to happen because uh, an economic recession is happening at the same time as a pandemic. Um, so I feel that um, the playbook is uh, less of a playbook and more of a wake-up call to cut unnecessary expenses, um, extend cash runway, um, expand their customer base, be sure to have like a dependable board of directors, um, and just really consider profitability over growth. Priya, as part of that story, you and James talked to a number of VCs. Uh, what were those conversations like? I used to have like these 30 minute long conversations with investors and honestly for the first 29 minutes they would pretend that everything is fine and they're like you know it's awesome and they're writing checks every day and they're like figuring out new industry verticals that they can put their money in and this is going on full speed and just the last one minute was when I would catch them off guard you know with things like but you know what? We don't know what's going to happen eventually or they would say something like that and okay then I would be like yeah that's what I wanted to hear. Uh, what other sort of steps are venture capital firms taking to protect themselves? What sort of hard decisions are they kind of having to make right now? Um, most of the investors, when I call them up right now, like my first question to them is, um, how busy have you been for the last three months? Like what's going on? Mm -hmm. And um, the more experienced investors have uh, confessed and said that, you know, we actually spent the first month only making a list of all our portfolio founders, portfolio companies, calling them up and asking, what's the situation? Do you have enough cash runway to survive the next six months? Do What are the losses looking like? Um, so, yeah, there was definitely a triage mode for existing portfolio founders. Um, I I don't think that they were ready with the checks. Also, um, Q1 2020 numbers of deal flow um, do not tell the whole story because those deals were signed, you know, before the pandemic happened. So we can't take Q1 2020 numbers as a signal that, oh, deal flow is so-and-so. Um, I feel that it is it was at the right pace, but I feel Q2 numbers will tell us exactly what's going on and how many new deals were they able to sign. The numbers that for that, we have to wait for the next venture monitor to come out. Um, but yeah, so that is one thing. The deal flow in Q1 2020 will not tell us the, the real story. Um, coming to... Um, what kind of hard decisions that they're taking. I spoke to a few um, lawyers that help getting these deals go through, VCDs as well as m and transactions, and they said that due diligence has become a lot more draconian. Um, you know, they, uh, some kind of preferential terms are making their way back into the term sheets. Um, they have... Um, 
full ratchet anti-dilution pre preferences. There, there were some pitchbook numbers indicating that preferential terms, the percentage of pre preferential terms in VC deals have gone up. But again, but then again, it was again for Q1 2020, and we don't really know uh, what the situation is going to be like. In uh, your conversations with investors or founders, uh, you know, a V-shaped recovery looks like, you know, knock on wood, potentially where we're all headed. Uh, any discussions about where the VC industry sees themselves in kind of a V-shaped recovery? Is that opportunity? Is that um, a good thing? Or is it missed opportunity and a, and a challenge for them? Curious what insights you've, you've gleaned. Yeah, so investors um, told me that um, when, they, when they write checks to, for, a, for a startup, they are not expecting uh, to get their money back in, in a year or so or in a couple right. of years, you know companies are private for longer. So they are expecting um, companies to not only go through this recession, but the next one as well, and the next one as well, before there's a VC exit happening. So um, I don't know about a V-shaped recovery, but um, but I know that their checks are not going to companies in industries that are going to survive this particular recession. It's, it's more about strong fundamentals uh, to run a company. What uh, various verticals are on your list to, to be covering next? You've mentioned you kind of cover the HR space, the construction space. What else is you interested in? The next uh, topic that I'm interested in finding more about is how the outbreak has dr drastically disrupted the food supply chain. You know, um, there's a dichotomy because there's mounds of produce um, that lays rotting on farms as commercial food demand plunged with uh, with the mass closure of restaurants. But on the other hand, there are more than 40 million Americans uh, currently struggling with hunger. So several startups are working to restore the food supply chain in their own unique ways and are seeking investor attention in these desperate times. Some companies have got investor attention. We, we saw Appeal Sciences uh, grab a 250 million round um, earlier this month. So I just want to know what the other offerings are to restore the food supply chain and what is the outlook for them uh, post-pandemic when things go back to normal, hopefully. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we will certainly look forward to those stories when they come out on PitchBook News and Analysis. Uh, Pri, thanks so much for joining us for today's episode. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. Yeah, as always, listeners, you can go to pitchbook.com slash podcast for the show notes and other relevant materials. I'm Adam Lewis. And I'm Adley Bowden. Thanks again for listening to this episode of PitchBook's Invisible Capital Podcast.